0: Before we get into today's episode, my wife Sadie and I have a brand new album out entitled Good to Me. As so many of our listeners know, I am completely blind. And in this season of blindness, these are the songs that strengthen and carry our faith. We want to share this new project with you. And if you like what you hear, visit our website, awakenedtograce.com. Click the link called Store purchase some products, and it all goes to the spreading of the gospel. Here is a song from our album, Good to Me.
1: Sometimes along this journey I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength My story isn't over, my story's just begun Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does Yeah, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does
2: Shame at the door It ain't welcomed anymore You're in the Father's house
1: Arrival's not the end game The journey's where you start never wanted perfect you just wanted my heart and the story isn't over if the story isn't good cause failure's never final when the father's in the room yeah failure's never
2: final when the father's in the room
1: in the room. Prison doors fling wide. The dead come to life. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Miracles take place. The cynical find faith.
2: Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. The Jericho walls are quaking. Strong hooks now are shaking Love is breaking through When the father's in the room Yeah love is breaking through I'm dead.
0: I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to study the story of Cain and his brother Abel, and we're going to see why Cain was rejected by God while Abel was accepted. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to answer this question. What causes a person today to either be accepted by God or to be rejected. We're going to learn how we, like Cain, cannot come to God on our own terms. No, we must come to God on His terms. So we're going to talk today about what it means to be accepted by God. I'm so glad that you're joining me on this broadcast today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4, Romans chapter 12. Let's go to God's Word together. where I want to enter into for this week is Genesis chapter 4. Before you read that with me, though, look at the last verse of chapter 3, verse 24. Note what it says. When God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, then God put a cherubim. Now, what's a cherubim? That is the highest ranking of angels. Next month, we're going to be, all, the whole series is, is called Behold, a study of angels. Oh, it's going to be fascinating. Oh, I can't wait. I got to be careful or else I'm going to spill the beans right now. <sighs> Settle down, Roberts. Settle down. Get back on track. The whole month is on angels. Well, why did God put such a high ranking angel here at the Garden of Eden? What purpose? If you had asked me a month ago, my answer would have been, well, to keep Adam and Eve out. But thats you don't need a cherubim to keep Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And Scripture says that they have a flaming sword going every which way. Why did he do this? Because, friends, what was in the midst of the garden? They partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thus they brought sin into humanity. They brought the calamity of sin on the world. But what other tree is in the midst of the garden? The tree of life. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. See, you and I have to understand, sin is not bad. Sin is literal, physical, spiritual death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Now, notice chapter 3, verse 24. What does it say? The cherubim was placed to do what? To guard the entrance to the tree. Friends, this is how the Bible opens. Do you know how the Bible closes? Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, verses 1 and 2. Do you know what is in the midst of the city of God? Do you know what is in the midst of eternity? That you and I who are born again, we will one day eat of, we will one day partake of? The tree of life. And thus we shall have eternal life. Isn't that something? See, God understood. Had Adam and Eve partook of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, it would forever and for all of eternity condemned mankind in their sins. But see, you got a tree of life in the opening. You got a tree of life in the ending. And what is in the smack middle of the Bible? You have the tree of the cross of Calvary. Amen. So last week we saw how man tried to cover his own sin by sowing the fig leaves together. We said that that's man's good intentions. That's man's attempts to cover himself before God. And friends, only the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive our sins. Only the blood of Jesus can make atonement for us. Now I want to enter chapter four and watch how scripture builds upon itself. Genesis chapter four, verse one. And Adam knew his wife Eve. Now, does that need any commentary? Are we on the same page? Everybody know what that means? Okay, good. And she conceived and bore Cain. And what did she say? I've received a man from the help of the Lord. No doubt, she thought that this was probably the promise made to her in the Garden of Eden about her seed. What she didn't understand is that there were thousands of years to come, (laughs) but she probably thought that was the fulfillment of what the Lord said. And let's just say this as we go forward. I touched on this last week, but I'm going to touch on it again today. Can can you, uh, let's just note this because I don't think many people think about this. There is so much to this portion of Scripture that we just don't understand. I love to let my imagination go in these Scriptures because it's fun to think. Uh, You know, I I think so often I love what Scripture says, but I also love what Scripture doesn't say to us. Things that I can't wait to find out when we get to heaven. Have you? uh, I'm sure you've heard people ask, where did Cain get his wife? Thought about that before? The scripture says later in this chapter that Cain is going to take a wife, and he's going to build a city. For who? Yeah. But friends, there's a population on the earth. Yeah. Well, where did they come from? I really wrestled with the Lord on this. I thought, Lord, help me to understand. And I, I wrestled and wrestled with my thoughts. And you know, I thought, Lord, did you did you create others that the Bible just doesn't tell us about? No, because that 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 would. No, we're talking about original sin here. No, it came from Adam and Eve. And I'll, and I'll never forget, you know, I'm wrestling with this, and I'll never forget the Lord just so, you know, kind of in a gentle way bopping me up across the head and saying, Chad, you're thinking wrong. You're thinking like an American, like a Westerner in the 21st century. I remember the Lord saying, Chad, do you really think Adam and Eve just had Cain and Abel and Seth, and they were this little family, this little four-person family? Before Seth came along? No, you're thinking like your culture. Some of you got a ton of kids. I asked Sadie this morning, I said, if you and I, now now think about this, their DNA was coming out of the state of perfection. Do you know how long Adam and Eve lived? 900 years. I asked Sadie, I said, if you and I had 900 years, how many kids do you think we would end up having? And I get woozy just thinking about it. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And I remember the Lord saying, Chad, you're picturing a family like your little western bubble. No. They had hundreds of years to procreate. The Bible only highlights Abel, Cain, and Seth. that's, That's one of my... Questions when I get to heaven, how many kids did they actually have? I think we would be shocked to know how many they had. And the earth is beginning to populate. One might say, oh, whoa, that's incest. No, you have to understand, their DNA coming out of a state of perfection. So, anyways, I think the important thing to remember is you and I cannot jump to our Western thinking conclusions when we read these scriptures. I think there's a lot more to the backstory that you and I really don't know and will not know because on this earth we see through a glass dimly, right? So back to the text. Sorry, (laughs) I'm going the long way today. Back to the text. Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived, bore Cain, and then Abel. Okay. Now, Scripture's going to give us a little bit of profile about them. Abel was a shepherd. He tended sheep. He kept flocks of sheep. Cain worked the fields. He was into agriculture. Now, when it comes to their sacrifice, the way that I grew up, I talked about it last week. I grew up in my little Sunday school classes, you know, panel walls and flannel graph board, right? We said that last week. I grew up with the flannel graphs, okay? Uh, No, I, I, I... always believed that Abel offered the right sacrifice because that was his occupation Cain offered the wrong sacrifice because that was his occupation I don't think that's the case There is a small phrase in this chapter that we cannot ignore Note with me that why did God have regard or respect for Abel's offering? What does the Bible say that Abel did? It says that he offered of the first of his flocks. And there's a weird phrase right here. And offered the fat. Well, that doesn't fit. Why would we need to know that? Why would the Holy Spirit include this? Friends, you have to understand, Jesus said every jot and every tittle of God's word is gonna stand for all eternity. That every jot and every tittle literally means every dotted I and every cross T. That's what we would say in our culture today. Every detail of God's word matters. So why would the Holy Spirit tell us that when it came to Cain's offering, he offered the fruit of the land. But when it came to Abel's offering, he did the first of his herd, but he offered the fat. Now say amen if you're with me right now. In the Garden of Eden, God gave judgment on Eve, on Adam, on the serpent, but what else did God curse? The ground. When Cain, in verse 3, brings his offering before God, which is the produce of the ground, friends, do you know what he is in essence? Do you know what he's doing? He's bringing God what has been cursed. Friends, this is a slap in the face before God Almighty. He's bringing an offering of what God has cursed. So, what made Cain, what made Abel's offering different than his brother Cain? Now, don't miss this. In the garden, when it came to Adam and Eve, they sowed fig leaves for themselves. But what did God require? A blood sacrifice. And thus, God. Did the first sacrifice on behalf of their sins clothe them with animal skins? And why does it take blood? Why is that? Because what did we say? Sin is what? Death. And Leviticus tells us the life of the flesh is in the what? Blood. It takes blood to atone for death, Blood to atone for sin. Life to overcome death. So what made Cain rejected and Abel accepted? Abel did a blood sacrifice. He did an animal sacrifice. Now here's what I find the most fascinating of this entire text. He offered the fat with it. Now follow me. You got to follow me for a second on this. Leviticus, all the law, the rituals, the ceremonies, the offerings, the sacrifices, all of that's going to come way later with Moses and Israel. I mean, we are. this is way before any of that were ever established. Now, here we are with Cain and Abel. Let me tell you what Leviticus chapter 3, verse 16 says. Friends, do you know what the greatest commentary is on the Bible? The Bible itself. Leviticus chapter 3, verse 16 says, When it comes to sacrifices, the fat belongs to the Lord. So, what does that tell us about Genesis chapter 3? It says that God had a protocol. That tells me that just like with Adam and Eve, God taught them how he is to be worshipped. God taught them how to make sacrifice. God had certain requirements for the provision of their sins. And when Cain went the opposite direction, when Cain brought, although it may have been his best, he went against God's requirement. He went against God's provisions. And Cain brought his own intention, his own self-righteousness, his own good works. He tried to bring that to the Lord, and he was rejected. Abel offered according to the provisions God had given, and thus his offering was accepted. And what do we find? Verses 6 and 7, God comes to Cain and says, What's going on? What's wrong with you? He says, this is very easy. God says, if you will do what is required, if you'll do it well, then you will be, and what's the word there? Accepted. Do you see? But yet Cain refused. And what was the word of warning that God gave that I want to give to us today? God warned him in verse 7. If he does not do what is right, what is required, then what does he say? The old King James says it like this, and sin lieth at the door. You know what that is in the Hebrew? It says it in the ESV. It literally says, and sin is crouching at the door. The word picture is of a lion or a tiger crouching in a pounced position. And do you know what God is telling Cain? See, Many of us begin to sin voluntarily, but you know what happens with sin? It crouches and it pounces to where it becomes involuntary. Don't mess with sin. Don't allow it in your life. Don't keep it. Listen, many of us have what we call pet sins. You know what a pet sin is? You keep it around. You keep it around so you can play around with it from time to time. Cain represents someone, listen, someone who comes to God on their own terms. And that doesn't hold water with God. We cannot come to God on our own terms. That's why Abel was accepted and Cain was rejected. Now go to Romans chapter 12 with me. Just to wrap up with Cain, most of you know, He's going to go on. He's going to kill his brother Abel. God is going to judge him. God is going to tell him, you are in agriculture and you're a worker of the field. And what did God do? He cursed him and said, the field's no longer going to yield to you its strength. And God put a mark on him. Now, it's fascinating to read what scholars think that mark was. But let me give you the spark notes. Let me give you the cheat sheet. You ready? Yep. It doesn't matter because we don't know. And furthermore, it don't matter because it wouldn't have been wiped out with the flood. <laughs> People today try to figure out, well, is there a mark today that would, no, it wouldn't matter because the flood eliminated that. Yeah. So, and then Cain goes on. He says, it says that Cain would become a exile. He would, he would become... Uh, a nomad, and it says that he settled in the land east, in the land of Nod. Well, what's the land of Nod? You know, they didn't have Google Maps back then. So what's the land of Nod? Uh, Scholars debate what that is. I I personally think it east is certainly geographical, but I don't think Nod is geographical. I think that is an idiom. I think uh, the word Nod in Hebrew means exile. I think it meant that he went east, and he was a nomad. What's interesting is to question, did Cain ever repent? Could Cain have repented? It may be that Cain, that Cain is in heaven today. You know what's interesting? As you go forward past Cain, his descendants, his children, had the name of God in each other's names. You know what that suggests to us? That perhaps Cain repented. Only heaven will tell us that. Now, as we go to Romans chapter 12, here is my premise today. The point of Cain and Abel that we're going to extract today is this. You cannot come to God on your own terms. If you do, you will be rejected. So my question today is just as Cain and Abel were raised by the same parents in the same environment, under the same standards, what caused one to be accepted and the other to be rejected? That's my question. And so it is today in our life, what causes someone to be accepted by God and what causes someone to be rejected by God? I think Romans 12 tells us. Romans 12, verse 1, Paul writes, And I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, isn't that fascinating? See, God always requires a sacrifice. Now, why do you not come to church today with a lamb and we make animal blood sacrifices? Why do we not do that? Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the blood of Christ, once and for all, is our eternal sacrifice. There's no need for animal sacrifices any longer because Christ is the Lamb of God, slain for sinners. Amen? Amen? But God still requires sacrifice. Far more than that of blood and animals. You know what God requires? Your life. He requires us to be a living sacrifice. This word present here, what a fascinating word. It literally means to yield yourself. It means to present yourself once and for all to God. Now think about that. How many of you know people who they live for God for a while, then they're living for the world for a while. They're in church for a while, they're out of church for a while. They're in God's will for a while. They're out of God's will for a while. Right? No. Scripture says, present yourself. Yield yourself. Make yourself an offering once and for all, never going back. Jesus said, a man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What's he mean? It means once you begin on this straight and this narrow path, You're to never go back. You're to never look back to the things of this world. You're to live for God. So we're to present ourselves a living sacrifice. You know what the problem with being a living sacrifice is? You have a tendency to want to get up off the altar. You begin to feel the pain of living for God. You feel the sacrifice of trying to live a holy life. He began to feel the sufferings. And, and, and the temptation is to want to get up off the altar. No, we're to be a living sacrifice that is presented before God. And notice what he says. Holy and what? Here's our word. Acceptable. Holy and acceptable. See, my friends, what makes The Cain's of this world rejected what makes the Abel's of this world accepted. Doing things God's way. See, just like Cain brought his best, just like Cain brought the fruit of his hands, just like Cain brought his good works, so many of you are doing today. You could put a list together. As to why you're a good person. You could present a list today. Of why you are deserving of heaven. You could present a list before God. On why so many other people. Are so much worse than you. But see that doesn't matter. The question is. Are you doing things God's way? Are you meeting God's requirements. For God's provisions of salvation holy and acceptable that's the standard and then note what he says which is your spiritual worship see my friends if you will link Romans 12 to Genesis 4 God wants to be worshipped in a certain way friends the same standard is today. You do not worship God the way you want. You worship God the way he demands. And what does God demand? Holiness. God has been dealing with me over the last few months. Let me tell you, so often my morning routine, I love to get up extremely early, way before Anyone else is awake, and I love that. That's my time. My my mind is always the sharpest, no distractions. I eat an apple every morning, sometimes two, and I drink my coffee. Some mornings, unfortunately, I spend with the news, which is not a healthy way to start the day because I just get mad and yell at it. And then many mornings, I start with Scripture. Oh, how good that is. It's like eating a great breakfast. (laughs) But then, see, I didn't know this until the Lord showed me. But then other mornings, I begin with worship. One song that I'm loving right now is I Speak Jesus by Charity Gale. Speak to the Mountains by Chris McClurney. Oh, the presence of of Jehovah by uh, Terry McCall. I'll, I'll listen to these songs and I'll worship the Lord and I'll begin my morning by lifting my worship to God. But let me, st- let me tell you what the Lord began to show me. Chad, you do that when you feel like it. You do that when you're in the mood for it. You do that when you want to listen to it. Is that spiritual worship? Because it's my preference. Is that my spiritual worship because that's something that I desire to do? It's something that I am in the mood to do? Or is my spiritual worship my lifestyle? Is my spiritual worship my sacrifice as in my life? Friends, if you and I reduce our spiritual worship down to what goes on in this house, We've missed the whole boat. Some of us think of an offering as in giving money to the church. No. That's not true spiritual. It's important. You should do it and I do it because it's as unto the Lord. It's part of it, but it's not all of it. Worship is, look look at the mighty prayer times we had this morning. It's important, but it's not all of it. What's all of it? You, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. You is what God expects as the living sacrifice. And if you and I are going to be holy unto the Lord, if we're going to be acceptable unto the Lord, if we're going to have what the Bible calls spiritual worship, it's not on our own terms. It's on God's terms. Lastly, verse 2, what's he say? If you're going to be spiritual worship, if you're going to be a living sacrifice, if you're holy and acceptable to God, then look what the result is. Do not be conformed to the image of this world. Before I became a pastor, I worked in jewelry. And it's interesting how they make jewelry. You know, they'll use a wax molding to begin with. And they'll take that hot wax and they'll form it. They'll shape it to the mold of that ring or that engagement set or whatever. And this is the exact picture that Paul has in mind. The word picture here, don't be conformed to this world or to the, as the King James says, to the image of this world means like hot wax, don't be shaped and don't be molded by the sin of this culture or the influence of sin. Don't let sin shape your thinking. Don't let it mold your thinking. Do not be conformed to this world. But what's he say? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Say amen if you're with me right now. What does this mean? Transformed. What's God want to do in you today? What happens when you become a living sacrifice and you're not living your life on your terms? You're not living your life in your standards. You're not living your life by your strength. You're not living your life in your own wisdom or in your own discernment or any of that. No, what happens? You become a living sacrifice. You yield yourself entirely to the Lord. He makes you holy and acceptable. You're now giving out of your life spiritual worship to God and all of a sudden you become to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what the word picture is? Ever notice an ugly, furry, earth-bound caterpillar? But what happens to that caterpillar? He'll go into a cocoon, and what happens in the midst of that cocoon? Transformation. We call it metamorphosis. You know what the word here is? For be transformed. It's metamorphosis. It's that transformation. God's going to take you from a furry, ugly, earthy caterpillar into a beautiful, heavenly butterfly. He's going to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And where does it begin? By choosing to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then lastly, what does he say? Then you will test, or the King James says, prove, you will test with discernment what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for your life. Now, follow me. Some of you listening today, some of you watching online, you're seeking mighty hard. You're seeking with all of your heart the will of God right now. You're saying, oh, God, if you would just show me what you want, if you would show me what to do, if you'll show me who to marry, if you'll show me what job to take, if you'll show me where to live, if you'll show me, oh, God, show me, show me, show me you this ball of frustration because all you want to know is what the good acceptable and perfect will of God is for your life well I understand I've been there but let me tell you something better to seek become a living sacrifice put your effort put your energy in yielding to God. See, the Bible doesn't tell you seek the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. <laughs> it says be holy and acceptable before God. Be a living sa- That's where the energy goes. To be a living sacrifice. And what happens? As you are a living sacrifice, then with discernment then with insight, then with spiritual wisdom, then with understanding and knowledge, then your life will prove, you'll know by example, you'll walk it out, you'll live it out. You'll then know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see that today? Stop seeking God's will start seeking to be a living sacrifice and God will walk you right into his will for the steps of a good man are ordered of the lord but the path of the righteous is like the dawning of the day and it grows brighter and brighter until full noon day ponder all the path path ponder the the steps of your path and then all your steps will be sure proverbs 4:26 not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I feel the Lord today. You're seeking the wrong thing. Yield yourself, submit yourself, seek seek to be a living sacrifice and his will will unfold in your life. Friends, God's for you. He's not against you. And you know what? God wasn't against Cain. God could have killed Cain and he would have been justified in it. But God gave Cain time to repent. And you know, I have a hunch that he did. Hmm. God's for you today, but you've got to come to God on his terms. If you're here today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you've tried self-righteousness, you've tried self-works, You've tried good intentions. You've tried religion. You've tried everything but God's way. And what's God's way? God's way is saying, Jesus and His blood is the only atonement for my sin. Cleanse me today, Lord Jesus. I repent of my sins and I ask you to rescue me and do for me what I cannot do for myself. Why don't you pray that right now? Do for me, Jesus, what I could never do for myself. Put your faith
1: in Jesus.
0: Hebrews 11 verse 4 says that Abel, was honored by God, accepted by God, and was made righteous. And so it can be with your life today. God will make you righteous. Righteous. But you got to come to him on his terms. So God, forgive us. Cleanse us. Make us new. Forgive our attempts at sowing our own fig leaves and cleanse us by the blood of the Lamb and clothe us in the righteousness of Jesus. And may goodness and mercy pursue us all the days of our life.